Hello, welcome back to the Surprise by Light podcast. This is Ricky, and it is the year B, the second Sunday after Epiphany on the church calendar. It's the first section of ordinary time that we observe. And I have the privilege this week of Casey Ayrton, who is an author of several books, but specifically The Circle of Seasons, um, which talks about the church calendar. She does a phenomenal job in that book of sharing in a very accessible way what the church calendar is and how to implement its use within our homes um, in in our families. And um, I had the privilege of sitting down with her and talking about her book and talking about the church calendar. But she also joined me in a conversation of reflection on the passages that are given to us through the Revised Common Lectionary this week. So I'm going to have the passages read by my wife again, so thankful for her doing that. And then following that, Casey Ayrton is going to reflect on these passages with me as we prepare our minds and our hearts for this Sunday. 1 Samuel 3, 1-20 The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. I didn't call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Once again the Lord called, Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am. You called me. I didn't call, my son, he replied. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, Go and lie down. If he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, Speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do something in Israel that will cause everyone who hears about it to shudder. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family, from beginning to end. I told him that I am going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are cursing God, and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I have sworn to Eli's family. The iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out by either sacrifice or offering. 
Samuel lay down until the morning, then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Here I am, answered Samuel. What was the message he gave you? Eli asked. Don't hide it from me. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and did not hide anything from him. Eli responded, He is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. Samuel grew. The Lord was with him, and he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied. All Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a confirmed prophet of the Lord. From Psalm 139, for the choir director, a Psalm of David. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me, you have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God. How precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. First Corinthians six twelve through twenty. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will do away with both of them. However, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? So should I take a part of Christ's body and make it a part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For Scripture says. 
the two will become one flesh. But anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. John 1, 43-51 The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus responded to him, Do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, Truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the Old Testament passage here is uh, from 1 Samuel, where God calls uh, uh, Samuel, who's uh, serving in the temple with Eli, and he calls him, and Samuel's surprised in knowing what, you know, who is talking to me? You know, I thought it was Eli, and then, and then Eli sends him back to respond to God. So we have that passage, and then we have this passage in uh, Psalm 139. Um, which is a great passage that speaks of God's present or God knowing he's present with us. Yes. Um, and then just the knowledge that he has of who we are and what he has made uh, in us is just far too wonderful beyond what we can imagine. Um, and also his pursuit of us. I thought was one of the things hmm. that stood out, right? Like that if I go to the depths of the sea or the like ends of the earth, like you, you're there. Yeah. And so, God's pursuit of us, like that we can't, there's no place we can run so far that he won't find us. He won't pursue us that he can't bring us back from. I love that. I love that. Um, and then we go to first Corinthians, which is kind of a, uh, I, th- I found to be maybe a little different than the rest of the passages, because I felt mm-hmm. like there was a clear thread through the, um, the first two passages and then the John passage, but first mm-hmm. Corinthians, uh, Paul is saying, you know, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. Um, and then God uh, raised the Lord with his uh, power and he'll raise us with his power. We are members of the body of Christ. And so as members, um, we should not give ourselves over to the things that are not the way that God designed them to be. So we should shun fornication. We should, you know, uh, 
um, we should not engage in these things because we're part of, of the body of Christ. I think the last piece of that passage, the honor God with your body, because Mm -hmm. like our bodies are the temple of the Holy spirit. So that idea of honoring God with your body, just what I saw in that is like, Christianity is an incarnate religion. Like Mm. we have a God who became flesh and dwelt Mm. among us. And so our bodies matter, like the physical world matters and the physicality of our bodies matter. And so honoring God, not just with our thoughts, but also in our bodies and the things we do with our bodies, Mm. because we're all embodied creatures and we're interacting with each other in embodied ways. So that idea of honoring our bodies, but also honoring other people's bodies is really central. And I think that it's very, it does feel different. I'm not quite sure how it gets to the call of Samuel and the call of Philip and Nathaniel, but I do think it's connected to this idea of God seeing us and knowing us and pursuing us um, in Psalm 139, that there's a connection there that that God is constantly calling us to himself. And one of the ways he does that is through incarnation. That's great. That's great. I love that. And you mentioned the John passage where he calls Nathaniel and Philip Mm -hmm. to follow him. And so there is that, there is that that thread that seems to be this um, initiation by God Mm -hmm. into our lives. You know, he's speaking to Samuel Mm -hmm. and calling him from even, even as a young child, calling him into like a, a, um, a devoted service to, to do something significant within, you know, within the people of God. And then like, you know, like we, we mentioned in, in Psalm, how does he do that? How does he know exactly why Samuel or why Nathaniel or why Philip? Well, it's because he knows us and he's right. made us and he's with us. And so not, it's not, it's not just some random call to people. It's, there is a, um, a specific purpose by which he has called us to, and that he has invited us in into, it, and he's initiated that, you know, yes. he's initiated that with us. And so that was kind of what I, what I saw in that, but, but to, to the point that we both observed, like that first Corinthians passage being a little, not weird, but just kind of like, uh, it's surprising. Yeah. Like the other three passages fit together so nicely. And then yeah. you have this first Corinthians passage and it does make me wonder. I was like, okay, the Bryce Carmel lectionary, like there's a reason for these things being paired. So <laughs> yeah. what, like, I'd have to sit with it for a bit longer, but I yeah. do think that there's something about the incarnation and the, and also God seeing us and knowing us, like you just said, his initiation. Yeah. Um, and even in that passage from John, where he's calling Philip and Nathaniel and like Nathaniel is so blown away by the fact that Jesus saw him under the fig tree, mm. and, like always like perplexing. I've always just assumed that the fig tree was not visible from where Jesus was and that he knew that he was there. I, that does The scripture doesn't say that. So there's lots of explanations, but that was always my assumption when I was reading it, even as a young child is like, mm. oh my gosh, Philip went and got him. He was like, way over in some other place. And then Jesus is like, I saw you and sitting under the fig tree. Like, I know you, I see you and I've called you That's and right. I'd like you to come follow me. Yeah. And how do we follow him? Well, we follow him in our bodies because we are incarnate creatures. That's right. So I do think that there's a connection there. Yeah. It just isn't immediately obvious. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, and this going back to the conversation that we actually had about <laughs> repentance, um, as we talked about Lent, um, and I know this, this is in the epiphany or the ordinary time after epiphany uh, uh, period. But, you know, what's interesting, I do think about this as, as God calls Samuel, Samuel um, is just a child doing, you know, normal duties around, um, around the temple. And then you see Nathaniel and Philip doing whatever they do. Right. And then Jesus 
speaks to them. God calls out to Samuel, and there's kind of like this, like they need to like understand what am I exactly being called to? What does it look like for me to follow God? And I do think that that First Corinthians passage is kind of like this recalibrating of a mindset. What does it mean? Well, you you have the right. Everything is lawful for you, but you know, like the 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 pursuit of following, or the, what it looks like to follow God actually is mm-hmm. to have in mind that your body is not your own, or that right. your body is to be, uh, that you are to be fully engaged in um, the the things for which Christ has died, or the things yes. that God has called you to. Yes. Um, and so I do think, in some sense, it, it kind of has that sense of like recalibrating our understanding of what life is supposed to be like mm-hmm. once God does call us into His His calling. Yeah. Well, and especially given like who the Corinthians were, right. like historically, like they were definitely having to learn a completely new way of being in the world. And so this is a call. And I think that, I mean, all of us, when we're following Jesus, it may not be completely new, but there are always new things that we need to, like things we have to let go of, habits that we need to let lay down, mm-hmm. new habits that we need to adopt that will help us to follow Christ more closely. Yeah. Is there anything that you would say that specifically like, speaks of this epiphany period or this time after Christ that stands out from these passages. Like if, as we think about it in that particular framework of the calendar year, would you say that there's like one main thing that really um, like seats it in, in this season? So I have two things that I would say. So the first one is the call of Philip. Philip is actually a Greek name. It's not a Hebrew name. So there we have this little like the whole idea of epiphany is like it's the call of the Gentiles. That's so great. I don't think that Philip was a Gentile, but he definitely has a Greek name. So there's mm. this idea. And later in John's gospel, the when the Greeks come to Jesus and say, we want to see Jesus, they approach Philip. Um, and so I think it's interesting that he's like this bridge. Hmm. So that would be one thing that yeah. I would say about this yeah. epiphany season. And then the other thing, going back again to Corinthians and the fact that the Corinthians church was largely a Gentile church and they were being called out of a Gentile culture that was in many ways very antithetical to the life in Christ that they were being called to live, um, that that is an epiphany. Like that's an epiphany moment. Like when we think about the the Magi coming to see Jesus, probably they were astrologers. And so there were things in their lives that they were going to have to give up now that they had encountered Christ. And so I do think that that first Corinthians passage for sure echoes that theme of epiphany and like, yes, manifestation to the Gentiles, this is good news. But along with the good news is there's a call Mm. and that call often requires laying down some things, even things that we hold dear. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you for your reflection on these passages with me and the insights. I think they're very helpful and uh, grateful for uh, your time to talk about those. Thanks, Ricky. It was fun. Yeah.